Hello and welcome to a midweek edition of the NL Full-Time Podcast. This weekend, the whole of football took a break out of respect for the passing of Her Royal Highness Queen Elizabeth II. It was a decision which, in truth, divided opinion, particularly in the light of just how fittingly cricket in particular and some other sports continued and paid tribute in their own way to Her Majesty. But it was one that was respected by all. Rest in peace, ma'am. And long live the King. I'm joined tonight by two members of the NL full-time team that, like myself, are still trying to get over their team's midweek defeats. But uh, we solemnly promise and vow to keep this show as upbeat as possible in the circumstances. A very good evening to Dickie Wharton. Good evening, Rob. And a very good evening to... Sounding very sombre as well. <laughs> <laughs> Solomon. Trying to strike the right tone. <laughs> And a very good evening also to uh, Joe Pope. Hi there. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> Dying to come on after a win, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Joe, in fairness, was all set to join me for BBC commentary of Talkie against Aldershot on Saturday. And more importantly, for a curry afterwards. And, and I've not caught up with Joe since. So, Joe, did you keep your table at the curry house? and Or did you go drown your sorrows in the pub? Uh, a bit of both. Um, we did go to a curry house um, that we took the same booking, um, and uh, we then went, or I went to uh, drown my sorrows on the weekend as well. And I'll be doing the same this weekend after another defeat. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. But uh, we're just going to give it a slightly, tw- a slight tweak, quite a slight different theme this this evening. Um, the top five all won, so there were no significant changes at the top end of the table. As you know, we normally start with the uh, top teams and work our way down to those near the bottom. But uh, tonight we split the games into a few different uh, categories for yours and our delectation. Uh, such categories as result of the night in the division, shock of the night, maybe the grittiest comeback of the night. Um, the most predictable results and, and the classiest performances. So um, Dickie will guide us through the North, Joe the South, and, and I'll try and uh, steer us through the Premier League with obviously insight from the other two lads as well. All right, starting off then with the result of the night. It was a difficult one um, in the Premier. Um, up for consideration was Walkins, very, uh, Wokins, very thorough 3-0 dissection of Oldham, which uh, took Woken up to eighth place now, just a place and a point outside the playoffs. After, let's be honest, an indifferent start for them. Um, a couple of goals for Tyreke Johnson in that win. Uh, well done to Woking. As for Oldham, well, they're drifting ever closer to uh, the lower reaches of the table now, uh, much like the other uh, team that's come down from the Football League. We'll come on to them shortly. Um, but uh, there was one other game that probably just had to take it on the night. Well, candidate for best midweek result on Tuesday evening was Dorking Wanderers 1-0 win at Barnet. Um, despite a plethora of injuries and a difficult run of fixtures in which they've not been able to buy a, uh, a point in the last three games, um, Dorking went and got the job done at Barnet, who of course started the season like a house on fire. Who else better could I talk to about that result than the manager, the owner, the chairman? I think the centre forward as well last night. Mark White, how you doing, Mark? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's looking like I might be the 
Ford at one point, that's for sure. <laughs> nice one. You, um, I think, you, to quote your post-match interview, you had more injuries than you can shake a stick at. But thankfully, Mark, you were talking about a victory afterwards. And, uh, you know, how sweet was that, you know, on the back of three difficult defeats and all sorts of things going against you? Well, I mean, it would have liked to get a result. And it's always in the most innocuous circumstances sometimes. We've all been there. You have a full side out, 24 players to choose from, and you get beat. And equally, you, um, you, you, you sort of bare bones, and then you go and dig out a result and get your first clean sheet of the season away from home. So um, sometimes over the years, you get that sort of dig deep effect when that happens, don't you? I yeah. think we saw that. We saw that in the Barnett game. Everyone dug really deep. Three people making their seasonal debuts, not kick the ball. Three people playing injured. About seven missing. Back to the wall stuff. Yeah, tremendous. And the first clean sheet of the season, was it? <laughs> you're not you're not someone who uh, lays awake at night thinking about clean sheets, are you? As long as you've scored more than the opposition. Yeah, we're not a boring football team, really. Like we um, don't get me wrong, we we definitely got improvements to make. The idea is we score more than the opposition, and that's not happened this year so far. Quite a few times, so. But uh, no, we're certainly not going to change the way we play. Um, just want to improve within the strategy of how we play. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, look. Every manager says, um, or you might say different because you'd like to be a bit different, but, you know, look at things after 10 games. Well, we haven't got you after 10. We've got you after eight here. Um, little look at how you've started the season. Uh, you've beaten Barnet, Maidstone and Gates. Said uh, you've got a draw in uh, unusual circumstances first game of the season against Chesterfield. And really, other than the opening day defeat live on TV at Oldham, when I think everybody that saw it agrees you were the better side, you lost 3-2, you've only really lost to top top five sides, haven't you, in Wrexham, Borehamwood and, and Solihull Moors. You, you, you bang mid-table, 10 points on the on the board, four off the playoffs, four ahead of the uh, the, the, the R zone. Um, what do you make of it all so far? Um, I know you watched a bit of National League football before, but have you been surprised by much um, in terms of how your team's been able to cope? Um, well, what made of it is, I think, in, in all the promotions we've had, I've noticed a sort of significant difference with the forward play, yeah. I think, mainly. In, um, we've had some great stats between the boxes in each game. We um, had 67% possession against Wrexham and 66% possession against Boreham Wood. Yet they mm. scored nine between and we scored one. Wow. So, so we kind of, mm. yeah, we sat. So you're talking about teams in the top five that had the ball for literally 15 minutes during a 90-minute match. Yeah. And yet, yet, you know, on paper, and actually they did uh, take it apart, but it sort of gave us a bit of solace because clearly between the boxes, we're, we're playing really well, we're doing things right, but the difference has been the quality of it in the boxes, the defenders, the playing against, and equally the other end, mm. more importantly, the strikers, the likes of Boreham Wood, had four strikers. They played all of them during the game. Wrexham, we know, Palmer, Mullen. And, and they're just a step up and they punish you. And I think that's what we've really noticed. Yeah, fair enough. Just um, not to overly dwell on it, but the injury situation, one of the things I'm, I'm sure you'd have covered, Mark, but it was, I was just intrigued by it. 
Have you analysed, because you've had a lot of injuries last season and this, the type of the type of injuries that you're getting, can you relate any of them back to your players being part-time? Can you relate any of them being back to, you know, the surface that you play on? Because I know Alfie's was a little bit like Briggs in, in, you know, in terms of possibly made worse by the surface. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm on a bit of a true faith now because I don't think the pictures are safe. The one, the one we've, we've got, I don't think it's safe. We've had, we've had four ACLs and a similar one to that in 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 four years, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's all the same movements. I believe, so anyone knows anything about artificial pitches knows that the cheaper ones mm. um, have all the rubber dumped on top mm. and the better ones have more work below the surface um, and they're better quality. I believe that the version we've got is dangerous. I'm just being really candid and honest about that. Mm. Um, it's not something we control at the moment mm. um, at all. But we're at the mercy of the FA. They've, they've created this kind of mandate for what a pitch should play like. Mm. Um, and every year we have to pay the best part of £10,000 to, to maintain the pitch to that standard. And what comes with that is dumping literally like rubble, rubber pellets once mm. a year on a pitch, mm. spreading it out at the cost of 10 grand. The pitches, they don't actually know what a good or safe pitch is with mm. some of them. So mm. I'm really annoyed about that, but what can I do about it? Yeah, fair enough. Well, it's, an, it's an intriguing one. I know you want one that you'll you'll spend you know more time thinking about and looking into final question really just on a bit more of a light-hearted note um i think we, we, we exchanged messages about uh, about a little chat we had in the podcast the other week when Re- welcome to Wrexham broke on on disney plus if anybody's actually got that that channel and we had a joke about well if what if there was a you know, a similar documentary filmed about Dorking uh, wanderers of course there is of sorts and we'll come back to that in a sec but we sort of said well who would play Mark White if they did one on uh, on Dorking Wanderers? And uh, I, I forget which one of the lads it was, but he said you'd probably want to play yourself and produce it. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. I wouldn't, want any, I wouldn't want anyone playing me. I'm the, I'm the main event. That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> nah. uh, good stuff, though. But yeah, on... That'd be nice. That'd be nice, mate. One, you never know, one day someone might, might fancy doing a feature film on we're enjoying the journey and mm. you know what I mean some great people great clubs great managers great mm. fans um, just enjoying the ride really mm. and on, in terms of the, the documentary that does follow you of course a bunch of amateurs Absolutely brilliant watch. Um, it's got a lot of people engaged with Dorking Wanderers that, that that wouldn't have otherwise perhaps known about you. Um, is that documentary conti- is it c- continuing into this season? And when can we expect to see the first instalments? Uh, are they due soon? Yeah, first week of October. Um, and the way the way Rich does it, who, who uh, produces it, he, he, I was like, oh, well, you know, we want to we, film it. We should bring it out and almost be just sort of 10 days behind ourselves but I like the way he does it and mm. so when it comes to October it's almost like it's almost more interesting that you mm. get to you get to see those first games that you kind of forgot about if that makes sense mm. um, and it works really well so it's back in October and you can imagine some of those changing rooms when you're getting beaten 5-0 against Wrexham you know and that's, that's what we're trying to do though we don't want it to be pretend and I think the reason people love it and resonate with it is because actually it's it's, it's good to know that real football, real characters mm. still exist. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so it's back in October. And that was Mark White. Great to see him, lads, just taking everything in his stride. And all things considered, 10 points and mid-table for Dorkin. They've established themselves uh, at this level as well, haven't they? And uh, Joe, to be fair, you know, they've only been beaten by um, sort of top sides and then Oldham in that opening game day game when they were the better side. They're doing all right, Dorkin, aren't they? Yeah, they're not doing too bad. Um, I think Mark White will be pleased with the start that they've made um, this season. Um, he'll be perhaps more so pleased with the fact they actually had a clean sheet yesterday, um, which obviously, as you said, they're against the big teams recently. They have struggled at home uh, in those bigger games. Um, but that's a really, really good result for them, um, especially the fact that they've you know lost Alfie Rutherford now. Um, I know you, were speaking, you spoke to him just a minute ago um, about that. Um, so yeah, he'll be he'll be very very pleased, and I think this weekend will be a good sort of measure for him. Um, in that you know now that they've beaten you know Barnet and got mid table, can they now go and do it against a, a team like Notts County? Absolutely, that's next up for Mark White's men. As for Oldham, Dicky, reality's really starting to hit, isn't it? It certainly looks that way. Yeah, I mean they they uh, you know they started the season reasonably. Well, reasonably. Don't think any of us, when we did our predictions at the beginning of the season, um, put Oldham as. I think maybe one or two of us might have had them in a in a in a low playoff place at best. Um, I think probably just because we know how strong this division is, and 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 how the the Chesterfields and the Wrexhams and the Notts Counties, you know, those teams have had time to adjust to this division, and and Oldham having to learn as they go. And yeah, it, it's proving a bit tougher for them at the moment. Well, as for the shock of the night, well, it's an interesting one. It's a controversial choice. When you look at the two teams involved, you wouldn't have said it would have been a shock result at the beginning of the season. But the way the season started, I think it was. Halifax stopped Gateshead from scoring and had a nice solid 2-0 home win against uh, Gateshead. And Emmanuel Dizaruve scored both goals for them uh, shortly after half-time. And that's really got their season... Uh, up and running now. Um, last three games for them, uh, seven points out of nine. Um, and I'll get a closer look at Halifax, as will uh, many of you uh, guys and listeners on uh, Saturday, because all the shot will play Halifax live on BT Sport in the 5.20 kickoff. Well, the grittiest comeback of the night. There were a couple, to be fair. Um, and there's a couple of uh, contenders for this one. I um, have to mention York, who uh, played at home to Bromley, found themselves 1-0 down in the first half to Omar Shomi's goal. Um, did get themselves uh, level through a Billy Bingham own goal. But uh, as the game was drifting towards the close and the draw, they had Maxim Coogan uh, sent off, but somehow still managed to find a late, late, late winner, 90-plus-5 Manny Duku, which um, actually gets York into the final playoff position. (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, it's very early into the season and it's just the eight games, but uh, Dickie, I felt that they they got a lot of players signed on that are established players at this level and a manager who's won it before. That was the simple calculation I made and why I thought they might just get there. I didn't expect to see them in the top seven so soon, though. 
No, I think it's probably a sign of, of the job that John Askey's doing that I think he signed a further contract extension in the last week as well. So clearly the hierarchy at York are happy with what they're seeing from the manager and from the team. You know, it was a big turnover of players in the summer, but, um, you know, clearly he made the, the judgment call that, that what he'd got was not going to be strong enough. And, and we've all commented about the, the calibre of players that they brought in. So, yeah, they're making good on your prediction so far. There is an awful <laughs> long way to go, but, you know, a, you take points in the bank at this stage rather than, you know, just be adjusting but not getting the results. You know, they're, 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 they're doing both. I'd rather have predicted Aldershot would be in the final playoff position than they were there, but uh, uh, not to be the case. But I've got to give the grittiest comeback of the night to Chesterfield. Uh, they played against Southend. They did, of course, get ahead in that game. Jack Clark giving them the lead. Callum Powell levelled, but right on half-time. Ollie Banks, who I've been waxing lyrical about, he got a straight red. And one minute into the second half, Chesterfield went 2-1 down. And the writing might have been on the wall then, but no, Joe Quigley and then uh, Jeff King uh, found the net for Chesterfield and uh, they got the job done. That gave them a 3-2 win. And that means that uh, as we look at the, the National League table, despite the other four teams in the top five with them all winning, Chesterfield remained top. Four straight wins for them, 20 points on the board after eight games. And... Uh, yeah, they've uh, certainly delivered six, one six wins and two draws, Joe. Uh, they're nicely on track, Chesterfield. Absolutely. I mean, it just shows, uh, you know, the quality of their squad, the fact that they're able to come back from that, you know, going 2-1 two, uh, two down and losing the man, um, such a key man for them, and the fact that they were able to come back uh, and win the game, and also the fact that they were able to do so without any um, efforts from Kabongo to Shimanga. Um, who didn't feature in the squad at all yesterday. Um, obviously, Joe Quigley with a goal. He's done well so far this season. Um, so, yeah, Paul Crook will be really pleased um, with uh, the start they've made and uh, another good win there yesterday. Now, found a way, listeners, to get Aldershot a little bit further up the uh, reviews of the games, but sadly, it's not for a great reason. I did another category, most predictable results, and uh, I had a couple of games in that one as well. One was Altique drawing with Scunthorpe. Perhaps didn't think it would be a two-all, but uh, Scunthorpe, who've had a desperately uh, slow start to the game, they've uh, sacked the manager already, and Altrincham, who haven't really adapted just yet to full-time. That one ended two-all. There were some late goals in that as well, but uh, the other predictable result probably was Notts County to beat Aldershot at home. Uh, Notts County flying high. Four straight wins now, three straight clean sheets um, and good value for the win in the end. It was another sob story for the shots who had some excellent chances in the first half. Effie Ong hitting the post twice, but they just couldn't get ahead when they were doing really, really well. And uh, sadly, in the end, they were made to pay for it. And uh, I was delighted, uh, not with the result, but to catch up for the first time. Um, with the new Notts County manager, Luke Williams, for the NL Full-Time Podcast after the game. Luke, a good night for your side tonight. You had to be patient, but you got there in the end and good value for the 2-0 win against Aldershot. Um, how do you feel about tonight's game? Yeah, I think, first of all, the opposition was was excellent, really. And uh, I think if we if we didn't manage to impose ourselves and start to really build up well and patient, as you said, I think the game would have been very, very different. But eventually we managed to, to be on top of the game for an extended period. And I think the back half of the first 45 minutes gave us the 
the, the, the foothold we needed to start the second half well. Scott and Langstaff on the score sheet again. When you look at players like that who are doing very well um, at one level below, you look for clues, don't you, as to how they can, can they step up? They're obviously showing that they can, but what I want to know is how did you know that they, they were? No, no, it's not, it's not me. It's uh, the recruitment team here are um, incredible because somehow they can, um, without me revealing too many things, they somehow they, they, they can uh, take away as much uh, guesswork or, you know, as, as take possible. Take the guesswork out of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's impossible, yeah. Of, of course, to be 100% accurate, but these guys really know what they're doing and they, they've given me tools to work with and you can see that they are able to play at the level comfortably. Unbeaten start to the season for you, right up there, uh, you know, in, in the right part of the, of the table. Um, what do you feel you want to see the side improve on, which is a tough question to ask, just after you've won 2-0 at home in front of the best part of 6,000, but what, what, when you come to the rest of the week, you'll be looking for a little, little bit more you can get out of and what you're looking for. I think that Every player um, has got some part of their game that we feel like would take them a bit further. So I really try to improve bit by bit the individuals and see if that makes the you know the team stronger because every individual is trying to be really like brave and look at oh this is not quite good enough and yeah it's tough because they they won you know four games but you still have to try to find the thing that they didn't do well and they're brave enough to do that and work on that and then. Hopefully we come back to the to the to the pitch again and everyone's the small you know and try to get some marginal gains like that. Final question. I really noticed the difference with the crowd tonight to the previous three visits here. They were very patient with the side. They applauded just about everything that you did well, even when it was nil nil. Uh, and that's got to be great for your players. You know, it takes the pressure off them in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know they, the the crowd. You know they they the fans here have done nothing wrong. They they they're saying to us. Okay, come on, show us, show us what, 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 what's different. Show us what you can do, and it's our job to 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 impress them. That was Luke Williams. Uh, he's impressed me from afar. Uh, and Joe, I've got to follow up on our conversations pre-season, where you and I had a difference of opinion. I felt Luke Williams might be the sort that doesn't suffer fools gladly. I thought he might be the sort that will add a little bit of steel to their game, and he seems to be doing so. The uh, BBC Knots commentators, I spoke with them uh, before the game and they, they tended to agree with that as well. Are they starting, is, is Luke Williams starting to change your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously very, very difficult to to judge start of the season that hadn't been in a job, for, uh, you know, in a in his own right um, for a couple of seasons. Um, but he has done really, really well so far. I mean, from what we've seen um, and certainly what we've heard, um, he's impressed. Um, the only thing I would caveat that with so far is it has been fairly plain sailing. Um, they haven't really been troubled in most games. Um, they found it quite easy, and of course that is, um, you know, that is open to uh, to the efforts that Williams is doing there. Um, but we haven't really seen him when he's had it. He's been up against it so far, and I think we might learn a little bit more about what he's like as a manager, like you said there. Um, you know, he doesn't pull the punches. He doesn't, you know, quite straight talking. And as you know, when they're up against it and they're losing games, um, especially away from home against big sides that will be key in the national in the promotion race. You know, has he got it then? Um, and if he has, then uh, you've got to say that he's uh, he's doing a remarkable job. 
All right, classiest performance of the night. There are probably two contenders for this. They both won by the same scoreline of 4-1. Wrexham uh, saw off Dagenham four goals to one. A couple of goals apiece for Paul Mullin and for Ollie Palmer in this one. Um, that probably was the slightly more expected of the two. The reason I say that, Dagenham are in pretty wretched form. They've lost uh, at home to Notts County 5-0 before that one as well. They are just a couple of points outside the relegation zone. And, and this probably is the comment made most on this podcast in the last two years. But uh, Dickie, surely Darren McMahon has got to be under severe pressure. He needs to win very, very quickly right now, doesn't he? Yeah, you would think so. Um, <clears throat> you know, we we spoke last season about, you know, that, that they were amongst the favourites and disappointed, didn't they? And, and things aren't going particularly great for them this season as well. I'm just having a look where they are at the weekend, actually, to see if there's any prospect of a, um, a you know, a more winnable fixture on the horizon at home to Altrincham. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. potentially something in there. Then the home game with Barnet, a trip to Dorking. But, you know, they're, they're, none of those fixtures are easy. And, yeah, you know, we we, we don't like to or don't encourage, um, you know, people to get onto the, the backs of managers here but it it is a fact of life that when managers and their teams don't perform that managers tend to pay the price with their jobs and yeah you would look at him at the moment and think he's one of the more vulnerable ones if you're a Dagenham fan what's your opinion uh, you can contact us at NL full time uh, uh, via email or on Twitter and let us know NL, NL full time at gmail.com um, if you've got any opinions on Daryl McMahon, um, undoubtedly he's got a, a, a talented squad and they've had good runs in the last couple of years, but they've usually come on the back of some very bad runs and overall they're not quite delivering on the potential there at Dagenham. Uh, the other contender and the one that I would probably award the classiest performance of the night to has to be Solihull Moors for two reasons, really. They're away from home and they went the goal down. Uh, at Torquay United, which have got one of our uh, uh, one of our podders very excited uh, when Will Goodwin put Torquay ahead in the ninth minute, but it took them just four minutes to get level through Dallas, uh, another fifteen minutes to get ahead by who else? Joe Sabara. Dallas got a third in the second half, and uh, there was a late fourth goal for Callum Maycock. Um, Joe, I'll hand it over to you, whether you want to dissect uh, Torquay's poor form or wax lyrical about Solihull, but either way, a classy performance from Solihull Moors, which keeps them firmly established in the top four, just three points off the lead. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I think we could spend all evening dissecting Torquay's bad start, but um, I'll give the benefit of the doubt on wax lyrical to Solihull Moors. For all accounts, they were fantastic. Um, spoke to my dad who went to the game. Um, and he said that they were very, very good. He said they, they dominated the midfield. Uh, Maycock and Osborne had complete control, and obviously with the qualities of Joe Sabira um, in the midfield as well, um, they had complete control. Obviously, they had a couple of little setbacks, went a goal down and lost Alex Reid as well um, through injury, but they showed their class. I mean, Andrew Dallas is one of the best forwards in the division, um, and he had the back four um, on toast. And... Um, yeah, it's another disappointing defeat for Torquay. Um, I don't think we learned too much about Torquay from this game against the Solihull Moors team that I expect to be in at least top three or four come the end of the season. Um, but they look very, very good, Solihull Moors, and uh, if they keep up this form, then uh, 
they take a little step in. Okay, a couple of other games, three other games to cover. Borehamwood got the job done a little unspectacularly, but 1 0 at home to Maidenhead. They stay in fifth, level on points actually, with Solihull Moors. Uh, the goal coming from Lee Elliott there. And then there was a couple of one-all draws. Eastley at home to Yeovil. Yeovil led early on from Sam Pearson. Um, and uh, Eastley got level through John McKeonan. I think about 18 minutes from time before uh, Brennan Camp was sent off right on the full-time whistle. And in the other game, well, Wealdstone, who uh, we've quoted as having a great togetherness. They've had a great start to the season. And they got a 90th minute leveller from Jack Cook just to spoil the evening for, for Maidstone, who thought they'd got a winner 10 minutes from time through Sam Corn. Both those sides, it has to be said, have started the season extremely well uh, in their uh, new uh, divisions. Uh, oh, beg your pardon, Wilstone, of course, have been in the National League for a few seasons now, haven't they? But Maidstone had a very solid start and they find themselves in 12th place with 11 points. And that just about wraps up. The National League. We're going to take a look now at the National League North. So, Dickie, uh, continuing with the theme of categorising the results from Tuesday evening, where do you want to start? Um, let me have a think. Um, well, there weren't too many um, by way of comebacks in the evening, and there weren't too many goals, actually. There was, uh, we, we weren't blessed with a lot of goals in the National League um, North. It seems sensible to take it from the top because we've got the top three positions in the division all being filled by sides who are new to the National League North this season. Um, Kingsland Town have top spot. They, of course, were relegated from the National League last season, but they're showing every sign of bouncing straight back. Uh, they had a 3-2 win over Alfreton. They, they were looking comfortable. Golden Mateo got them ahead. Ben Stevens um, made it 2-0 on the stroke of half-time. But goals from Bailey Hobson and Dom Smith, the Alfreton captain, pulled it back to two each. But Stevens, um, he had them shaking late on. Um, he, <laughs> scored, he scored late in the first half and he scored late in the second half, the 90th minute with a winner for Kings Lynn. Um, I think what he put me in mind of is when Kings Lynn won this division, they, they were, their performances seemed characterised by an awful lot of late winning goals. They seemed to keep going right to the end and, you know, perhaps more evidence or some evidence there that the, the, this same Kings Lynn or this Kings Lynn side are made of similar stuff. Um, but, but even yeah. though they've got a different manager, Dickie, and, uh, and, and a lot of different players now, but 20 points from eight games, quite impressive. It is, yeah. They they uh, they are unbeaten. They've only um, that the points they've dropped have just been two draws. So yeah, they're 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 yet to taste defeat in this division. And of course, they've they've got the FA Cup second qualifying round this weekend. So they've got a a break from league action, as all teams in the north and south have this weekend. Um, in second place in the division, now that's a, a bit of a surprising one. Um, it, and then no doubt that people in Scarborough are probably enjoying this very much because I think quite a lot of us actually tip them to struggle in this division. But Yeah, Scarborough... we're going to get massive minus points when it comes to the predictions oh. if they stay where they are. Yeah, Scarborough Athletics, second in the division. Um, only one loss so far this season, and that was on opening day away at Brackley Town. That's the only defeat they've tasted in eight matches. Um, yeah, a, a really terrific win for them. And I think I would put this probably down as the most impressive uh, win of the, the night last night because they beat Chorley 3-2 and anybody 
who knows Chorley knows that they are a difficult side to even get one goal against, let alone three. But Scarborough did score three. Um, they had Luca Colville's goal sandwiched by two from Liam Maloney um, in between the 55th and 65th minute. A burst put them 3-0 up. Connor Hall did get one back and John Ustabasi got one in injury time, but a 3-2 victory for Scarborough. They are in second place. They are absolutely flying. Um, and as I said, but, but considering who that came against, I've got that down as probably my performance of the night. Yeah, nice one. Um, I'm sure you're going to come on to follow up with Banbury, who sit in third place. But just taking a step back and looking at it, Scarborough, Banbury and Peterborough Sports, who you've got to cover as well, all in the top eight. Um, and Buxton, perhaps the one of the four teams coming up that really big things were expected for, and the ones that are struggling a bit of the of the four newbies. But uh, back over to you with your roundup. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll touch on Buxton. Absolutely there. I mean, they they um, it was a notable game last night they were away at Boston United who were playing their first game under the uh, leadership of Ian Culverhouse who's replaced Paul Cox Paul Cox um, was sacked last week after uh, an absolutely wretched start to the season for Boston and you know I think we did comment on the show that he probably didn't help himself particularly by saying oh well my sides always start slowly um obviously the Boston board didn't really um uh, weren't swayed by that or weren't won over by that explanation Paul Cox paid for it with his job um Ian Culverhouse came in and a 3-0 win for Boston um a much needed three points for them two goals from Jordan Crawford in the 30th and 40th minute and then Scott Pollock adding a third just into the second half and yeah, it, it is tough times for Buxton I mean Jamie Vimiglio is manager, Tommy Miller is assistant. They've got a lot of quality on paper, but they are beset by injuries at the moment. They they had a very short bench when I saw them at Telford only about two weeks ago. I don't think they could even name five substitutes on the day. So um, they're struggling with that. Um, yeah, Banbury, we'll come back to them. Banbury third, they've dropped down the table slightly um a 3-2 defeat at peterborough sports another one of the promoted sides these two sides were southern league premier rivals last season banbury won the division peterborough came up by the playoffs but it was peterborough who got the better of uh, uh banbury last night jay williams sent off in the ninth minute for banbury that didn't help their cause greatly jordan nicholson and mark jones then scored uh, four minutes apart to give peterborough sports a 2-0 lead Giorgio Rasulo's penalty just after the half hour cut the deficit. Jones scored again early in the second half. Isaiah Baisley was then sent off. So back to 10 aside then, which boosted Banbury's chances of getting something out of the game. But their second goal came way too late to really bring about a, a big sea change. Jack Stevens with a goal. But um, yeah, Peter Brisports more than held on for the victory. Other games that caught your eye in the National League? Yeah, my, uh, in the North? And what did my, they, category did they fall into? My comeback of the night, as I said, there weren't too many. I looked through all the divisions. It seemed to be last night that if you got ahead, you stayed ahead. Um, and as I say, there were, there, there were some games... There were some draws, Kidderminster and Fylde, two of the promotion favourites. They had a goalless draw between them, so it doesn't sound like the most exciting of encounters at Agbra under the new uh, super LED floodlighting, which they've had installed um, on the back of their FA Cup exploits last season. But yeah, coming back to my comeback of the night, I'm going to give it to Blythe Spartans. They trailed 
1-0 to Farsley at home. Uh, a goal from Kean Scales had put Farsley ahead with 77 minutes on the clock. But Lewis McNall equalised in the second minute of injury time. I'm sure that lifted the roof off of Croft Park. They they love their comparison with the Spartans and the Warriors and, and their never-say-die spirit. And they showed some of that for new manager Graham Fanton last night with that late equaliser. Yeah, I mean, so uh, it is incredible you know, the, uh, how, or maybe not incredible, that, that the promoted sides are all doing so well. I know, Joe, um, I think you, you fancied Peterborough Sports before the season started, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think they recruited really well in the summer. Um, they retained a lot of their squad and they've got really, really good attacking players. Um, I've always fancied them to score goals and they've started that way this season and another three uh, yesterday, um, and I think uh, I think they'll be up there come the end. You know, if they can keep it a little bit tighter at the back um, and keep up their attacking efforts, then uh, I don't think they'll be too far away. Mm. I was just saying, in the case of Banbury as well, that, that they were hit. Um, on transfer deadline day as well by the loss of Morgan Roberts, who I know is um, a player that you'd flagged up for us, Joe. He's joined Swindon Town. Yeah, I mean, another player, um, Swindon obviously uh, have some links in non-league. I mean, they signed, uh, what, as you say, Morgan Roberts, um, and they also signed Ricky Aguilar uh, from Worthing uh, two seasons ago. Um, yeah, obviously brilliant player for, for Banbury. Um, it doesn't look like they've been affected too much because they've still been playing not too bad and um, obviously they lost Chris Ray in the summer as well to South End so uh, they're used to having to make up for some departures and uh, hopefully they can uh, do with do without him for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I must mention uh, Lemington, Paul Holleran's team uh, recorded a 1-0 win over Kettering. Dan Turner on target again. I don't know how many he's got this season. I would think it's probably in the region of maybe five or six. Uh, they don't score hugely Lamington but but you know one goal's often enough for them because they are quite defensively uh tight so that that was a, a really good performance for them and and when we came to the performances of the night I shouldn't gloss over the fact that Gloucester City beat my own team AC Telford United by 3-0 really good attacking performance from Gloucester particularly in the first half Telford weren't at it particularly I, I will say but we have to give credit to Gloucester Owen Evans Ollie Hulbert um, with two fine strikes, and then Danny King, um, appropriately, uh, long live the King. He scored in the 89th minute to put the seal on it for them. Can I ask you a question? It might be a difficult one, but you'll answer, I'm, I'm sure, as always. For Telford, obviously, a lot of hopes for this season with Paul Carden, um, you know, coming in, obviously, when he did last season. Mm. Um, we are only eight games in, but looking at the at the league table now, um, you're sitting second bottom, only Bradford Park Avenue beneath you. Um, is it a fair position, second bottom for Telford, or do you feel they've been a little bit unlucky at the minute and the results should improve? Or what's your take on it, Dickie? I think we've had a couple of performances where perhaps we may be warranted a little bit more than we got. I'm not necessarily saying wins, um, but I, I don't think it's unfair looking at it too far, uh, you know, at this point of the season. Paul Carden has been hampered by Jason is Oswell getting injured. Um, I think we were led to believe it was a calf injury, but he's had a recent diagnosis that it was a, a stress fracture, which has been um, was missed um, when he was first looked at. So that's unfortunate. I think that sent him away, uh, actually, in the search for 
another striker now because I think he was hoping that Oswell would return. Um, Telford have added Jamie Allen, of course, um, of, of Love Island fame stroke notoriety. Uh, depends if you're a Halifax Town supporter as to which one of you uh, you view him from. Um, he got a few minutes against Fylde last week. He actually played the whole of the second half last night and I actually thought he looked pretty impressive. He was He was direct and he was willing to take people on and I think he could provide a spark for Telford. But ultimately, yeah, at the moment, uh, the, the view is that the, the players that the quality is there but they're underperforming and 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 i think crucially paul harden felt that there was a lack of heart in that team last night which i know hurt him a lot because i don't think that was a label that it, it, he was he's certainly not happy that a team under his name um can have a lack of heart um uh, as being a criticism that's leveled at them so i think you can I wouldn't say necessarily expect changes, but don't expect things to stay the same. So just looking briefly through the rest of the division, uh, Brackley Town looked like they're putting their sticky start to the season behind them now. They had a 2-1 win over Hereford. Goals from Callum Stead and the fantastically named Cosmos Matwasa. I saw him score twice for Stamford against Telford in the FA Cup last season. Uh, so I have uh, not particularly happy memories of him. Jack Evans did get a goal back for Hereford, but it was too late to change the outcome. Chester had a 1-0 win over Southport, Cole Hall with the goal there. Uh, and just looking through the other ones, there was a goalless draw between Spennymore and Curzon Ashton. That doesn't sound like it is the most thrilling fair at the brewery field last night. But uh, yeah, that just about wraps up the National League North. Oh, a draw between a um, game between Bradford Park Avenue and Darlington on Monday night. Almost forgot that one. Bradford Park Avenue led in that one. Darlington came back to win 3-1. Two goals from Mark Beck. He might well be claiming the first goal as well, looking for a hat-trick. It was his effort towards goal, I think, was put into the net by Bradford Park Avenue defender. But you can bet your life that Beck, as a striker, will be uh, will wanting to claim that one too. Right, now we're going to take a look at the National League South. Joe, you've been doing a bit of work on uh, reviewing this one. Uh, where do you want to start? What category do you want to go with first? Um, I'll go for perhaps predictable result of the weekend, uh, or midweek, sorry. Um, and that's obviously Ebsfleet. I mean, they've had a fantastic start to the season. Um, their eighth game yesterday, and they made it eight wins. Really, really good start. 4 0 win for them. Yesterday against Braintree, two goals for Dominic Polian and two goals for Kundal. They look to be uh, really, really motoring so far. Um, so the, the result of the uh, the midweek, I'm going to give it to Bath. Um, and I think it's a big result for both ends of the table, really. Um, Bath has started well, you know, sitting in and around the playoff places. Two goals for them yesterday uh, from their forwards, Cook and Fletcher, um, both inside the first nine minutes. Um, for Weymouth, another defeat for them, a really, really tough start. Um, and I don't think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've got a win yet. No, just two points, two draws so far, Weymouth. Um, so, uh, you know, big, big uh, under-pressure job uh, for David Oldfield there. Um, he needs to get a win sooner rather than later. Um, the comeback of the night, um, I'm going to give to Worthing. Um, really good start for them. Obviously, they lost Jake Robinson, real blow at the start, but they've not been hampered by that. Um, really good opener. Um, they went 2-0 down yesterday. Um, a goal for Golding and Ray. Um, Golding obviously leaving Worthing in the summer 
to go to Chesson. They were 2 0 up after 18 minutes. Um, Jammer, Mo Jammer got his first goal of the evening uh, three minutes later to give them a little bit of hope. And they completed the turnaround actually in the first half. Um, a goal from McLeod and Jammer with his second um, to give them a 3 2 win. Um, they've started the season really, really well. Um, and Paul, uh, Adam Hinchelwood, sorry, will be really, really pleased with their start. Yeah, five wins and three draws so far, unbeaten start for Worthing. I had a couple of tips suggesting that they do well and I had conversations with you and with, with Tom and I think the one I had with Tom, I allowed myself to be put off that Worthing were going to do well and I should have gone with my gut. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've started well and I think the the effort or everyone thought they would score goals. You know, Callum Keeley, Jake Robinson is obviously now injured. They're always going to score goals. It was just a, a measure of, you know, how would they adapt to a new league, a higher league, um, and they've done really, really well. And the uh, biggest surprise to me, um, looking at the National League South table, and it, and it might lead into their result last night from you, I don't know, but a lot of concerns at the start of the season, Joe, about Chelmsford and what was going on there. But uh, after eight games, they sit uh, right up in the playoff positions and uh, they had another good result Monday, I, I understand. Yeah, another good result, a late result. Um, only scored their goal in the 90th minute to uh, to get a 1-0 win against Oxford City. Uh, Joseph Aluru, the defender, getting the goal for them. Um, Robbie Simpson will be really, really pleased. Obviously, they haven't got the biggest of budgets. They have to rely on bringing young players through and big academy uh, influence there. Um, and he'll be pleased. Um, they've got to keep it up. But uh, especially in... In, you know, in that league, if you can get a good start, like we've seen with Epsfleet, uh, if you can get a good start, that lays the foundations and uh, they'll be really pleased. Um, my shock of the, the night um, isn't actually going to go to Chelmsford. Um, it's going to go to Hemel. Um, they haven't started the season all that well. Um, they played a Dulwich side who obviously lost Gavin Rose um, or dispensed of Gavin Rose uh, in the week um, after their tricky start. But they got a win yesterday, 3-1, two goals for Ovi at the end um, to complete their win. Um, Dulwich managed to pull level in the second half through Ibia Kambi, um, someone that's played in the National League and I know was on trial with a couple of teams in the National League Premier uh, in the summer. Um, so he got a goal. Uh, but a good win for Mark Jones's side and um, pushes them up a couple of places. Um, I don't know what you boys think, but uh, an interesting one for Dulwich. You know, big a big pressure going into the season. We even said on our preview pods that they had a fantastic squad. They've got to be up there challenging, and it's another difficult start. It is, isn't it? And uh, I, I wasn't on the pod at the weekend. I can't. I, so I didn't get the opportunity to join in the discussions, but I had questioned a couple of weeks ago how long they might persevere, you know, with a manager that um, has obviously served them well, but uh, seemed to be going down a similar route where they're struggling uh, in, and, and really based on the size of the club, the, the, the number of fans they get through the turnstile, therefore the budget that they should have to spend on players, they should be contending at the top end of the division each year. And uh, it's a shame to see um, but hopefully Dulwich can come again. I know Peter Crouch has moved on now, hasn't he, as well? But, uh, you know, there, there, there are some good 
uh, you know, good structural stuff in place there. And hopefully they'll come again um, and the support will continue for Dulwich and uh, they'll come again under new management. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who they go for as their new manager. If I had to put me new money on it, I think unless he's gone anywhere since he left his last club, I think they will probably go for Bobby Wilkinson. Wilkinson. Yeah. Um, he's obviously done well in this division before with Wheelstone. Um, that would be my money. And obviously a good manager at this level anyway. Um, my my grittiest performance of the night, um, I am going to give it to Slough. It's nice that I can actually come onto the pod and talk about a Slough win after I talked them up so much at the start of the season. Um, a 1-0 win for them yesterday against Taunton Townside that had a good start to the season. Um, they got a 1-0 win. Elliot Benyon scoring the only goal for them. Um, I know speaking to uh, Scott Davies, um, he's obviously a good friend of the podcast, um, he said the tricky start for them and they just need to get those, you know, couple of goals. Um, so you perhaps don't have the firepower, so they'll be pleased um, to win that one there. And what are the results on the- Sorry, no, I was just going to say, just going to say what about, um, I think you're probably going to come to them anyway, but what about Tunbridge Angels? A lot of people's favourites, uh, to uh, to be down the bottom end, but they're sniffing around the playoffs, aren't they? They're uh, they're uh, one place and goal difference outside the playoffs, aren't they? Another win for them on Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good first half for them, two 0 um, against Farnborough, and uh, obviously Farnborough managed to pull a goal back at the end, but Tombridge managed to hold firm and get another win. Um, difficult one for Farnborough because I know um, a couple of people, me and Rob included, both you know thought they'd have a a good season, uh, recruited really, really well. Uh, and it's just been a bit of a tricky start for them. Um, yeah. Perhaps not gelled as quickly as they would have liked um, so far this season, Rob? Yeah, fair enough. No, they haven't, have they? They've got seven points on board, so it's not been a wretched start, but uh, they're just trying to find their feet at this level. And of course, he doesn't come on the pod too much these days, but uh, we always keep an eye on Tom Langs, Hampton and Richmond. Uh, and they got themselves a 1-0, solid 1-0 home win against uh, a never-to-be-underestimated Chippenham, didn't they? What category did you have that result in? Um, I didn't uh, I didn't put it into a category, but uh, a good win for them. Perhaps a result of the night, actually, uh, because it has been a, a difficult you know start for Hampton. Um, they lost a couple of players in the summer, um, and obviously they brought in a couple of players of note, but um, not the easiest. Uh, of starts um, so they'll be really really pleased for them it moves them up to to 16 uh, only the second win of the season for them um, a couple other results in the National League South we saw a Dover um, you know a team that I backed at the start of the season and I thought they would do well and recruited really really smartly in the summer I thought on paper but another defeat for them yesterday they managed to pull a goal back on the uh, the stroke of half time through Baptiste, um, but by that point they were already three 0 down to a Dartford team that seemed to be picking up a little bit of form um, under Alan Dowson. I know many sort of back then uh, at the start of the season to do well, given that he's won the division before. Um, another team that's done really well so far, um, and it's really good to see after a couple of seasons of real uh, real hurt down near the bottom of the National League South. Um, quite fitting that I say pain there because it was Stephen Payne 
that scored the goal for Welling. Um, 1-0 win for them, keeps them in and around the playoff places. Um, and they've, they've started really, really well under Warren Feeney. Um, and that rounds up the uh, the National League South. There is a another game on tonight at the point of recording, having a Waterlooville or at home to Hungerford. Um, obviously, given how well Epsfleet has started the season, haven't really need to get a win in that, even at that this early stage, already five points behind. Um, but another another good uh, week of, of of games in the National League South. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Joe. We're kind of on to any other business now. One part of that would uh, definitely be a look ahead to the weekend's games. I've already mentioned the live BT game, which is perhaps not the mouth, most mouthwatering in one of the season, but it will be to Halifax and all the shot fans, both sides desperate for a win. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't quite say it's a derby, but Scunthorpe against York is an interesting one there. Uh, Southend will take on Wrexham. So we're uh, interested to see a couple of big sides coming together there. Um, and uh, Dorking Wanderers taking on uh, Notts County. What will Mark White's uh, men have learned from those uh, you know, defeats to the likes of Solihull and uh, Wrexham and Borehamwood um, at home where they had plenty of possession, played well, but uh, even though they've dominated possession, they've been cut apart on the transition and the turnover. Dagenham and Redbridge, that pretty much looking like a must-win game against Altrincham uh, and a bit of a Kent derby there as well, Bromley against Maidstone. Uh, Dickie in the National League North, anything uh, uh, mouth-watering for you and where will you be on the weekend? It's actually FA Cup this weekend, um, so North and South will both be there. I'll be um, at Telford's game against Chasetown, which, given the form at the moment, is looking uh, a bit of a banana skin for Telford at the moment. Just a quick look through the fixtures. I think I've only picked out two all-National League North fixtures, so there is potential there for, for a lot of North teams to advance, um, but there's also potential there for a few North teams uh, to come a cropper. So, yeah, we'll be rounding all those up on Sunday. Yeah, nice one. Anything that's uh, caught your eye with the more Southern-based teams, Joe, in the FA Cup? It's, uh, it's ploughing through the rounds, isn't it, now? It shocked me a little bit that that, that round's come up already. Uh, yeah, um, I haven't actually been keeping up with the uh, the FA Cup in the southern section, um, but I know a couple of the local sides um, have got through and actually have quite uh, big ambitions to try and get through to the first round of the FA Cup. Um, the only thing I did want to mention um, before we sort of ended, um, which we didn't touch on so far in our roundup of the south, um, obviously we've had the unfortunate passing um, of Queen Elizabeth II, this week, um, but one game that fell a cropper in the National League South on Tuesday night was St Albans against Concord Rangers. Um, their game was called off after Ryan Blackman, midfielder for Concord Rangers. Unfortunately, his son passed away in the week, so St Albans agreed to cancel that game. Um, so we wish everybody um, associated with Concord Rangers and, and particularly Ryan Blackman all the best. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Joe. And thank you, Dickie. Have a good rest of the week. Enjoy your, your games at the weekend. And uh, God willing, we'll be back with you on Sunday uh, or let, we'll record at some point on uh, Sunday uh, and be back uh, podding you again, uh, reminding you of another pod 
late Sunday evening or Monday morning. Thanks for joining us, listeners. Um, all the best. Speak to you again soon. Very good. Thank you, Joe. Uh, have a good evening, and uh, you too, Dickie, if you wouldn't mind doing the honours and sending those. I will. Yeah, I'll send Luke. those over. Okay. Yeah, and uh, oh, good evening to you, Luke. And you'll probably be <laughs> hearing this. You'll probably be hearing these words at about quarter past midnight. Thanks for doing the edit, Luke. Much appreciated, mate. All the best. All right. All I'll right. Sign off with both of you. Yeah. Catch you soon. Speak to you both soon. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, Cheers guys. Take care, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.